Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. I know a lot of people are preaching messages on what's going on, and uh, but Lord gave me this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to change it just uh, for. Uh, but I, I know that those of you who are watching, those of you who are here, uh, you understand uh, that God's got it all under control, and uh, that we can panic if we want to, uh, but it does no good. Uh, there's 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 no panicking with God, and God didn't panic uh, when He. Uh, knew today was going to happen, and so I uh, just want to encourage all of our Christians, just be reminded, and I know that you know this, is that uh, God's got it all under control. Trust Him uh, with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but trust Him. And that's what the Scripture tells us to do. But Job, the story of Job, uh, what an amazing story. Somebody uh, was asking me a while ago, will this be the smallest crowd you ever preached to live you know, in the auditorium? No, I've preached to one lady before, my wife can tell you. I preached a meeting one time in, uh, down in Stark, Florida, or somewhere like that, and uh, there was one lady that showed up other than my, my three of us at that time. And uh, so that was the smallest crowd I ever did. I gave an invitation. A lady came forth and uh, prayed with us, and so it was a good service. So I know there's many of you watching, and I want to thank you for that. I want to commend you for that. Uh, it's honorable, and like I said, don't forget... Uh, that no service is night or Wednesday night, but we'll start next Sunday with AM service, just services in here, kids in here. Uh, and of course, we have good hallways here, so if your kid gets a little unruly, you need to go outside. That's fine. We understand that too. Or if your husband or wife gets unruly, we can take them uh, to the side room too if they start crying or something like that. So anyway, Job chapter 1. Let's read the first 12 verses of Job chapter 1. The Bible says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. He had ten children. His substance, verse 3 says, also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. So the land of us uh, being there south of Edom, uh, kind of in, in the Arabian desert area there. Uh, the Bible says that he was the greatest. And that's, that's not saying that, uh, that he was the greatest because he was the biggest, you know, whatever, the strongest. But he was the greatest because of the substance that he had. He had a huge farm, a lot of livestock. And so it said that he was the greatest of all the men of the east. Verse 4 says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one of his day, and sent and called their three sisters to eat and drink with them, Verse 5, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and a burnt offering according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be as my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now there was a, was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. 
And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then, says, uh, then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro to the, in the earth and walking up and down it. Which we know that the, the Bible tells St. Peter that he is the roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. That's, that's what he does. He's always looking for his next victim. And so I want you to think about that this morning as we preach this, is that every day of Satan's life is that he is looking for a challenge. He's looking for the champion of God. And I, I believe he found it in Job, by the way. And verse 8 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? I love that because in uh, verse 3, it says that he was the greatest of the East. So he was the greatest as far as wealth and riches and livestock. He was the greatest man of the East. But when it comes to uh, Job, he says that he is, uh, I love exactly what he says. He says, there is none like him in the earth. So here, here's the rest of the world and here's Job, spiritually speaking. Now, God was going to offer up a challenger or a champion to the to Satan. And who was he going to send forth to be this champion? Well, he was going to send the best. And so notice what happens. It says, there's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and is Jewish evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doeth Joe fear God for naught? In other words, is it just a surface uh, belief? Is it just a surface Christianity? And notice what he says, Hast thou made a hedge about him? And about his house, and about all that he hath on every side, that thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. What Satan was looking for, and we see this also in chapter 2, we may not read that verse, but in chapter 2, the same thought is said, or the same statement is said, is that the one thing that Satan was looking for was not to hurt Job. I want, you, I want you to get this in our minds this morning, is that the, the objective of Satan was not to necessarily hurt Job. It was to cause Job to curse God. In other words, to, to go against what he felt toward God, uh, to go against his belief in God and curse God and say, you're really not God if you're allowing this to happen to me. That's all God wanted. That's all Satan wanted him to do. He didn't want to necessarily destroy his life and destroy those things. He just wanted Job to curse God and die. But notice what happens in verse 12. It says that, uh, he says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So this first wave of, of Satan's attack, he said, You can take everything that's around Job, but you can't touch Job. Okay? The second round, we see that God said, Okay, you've touched everything around him, but now you can touch him. But you've got to save his life. But notice what so Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And so we're going to look at this subject. I want you to go back, if you will. And I want you to notice what is said about Job. And then we'll take our title from there, too. In verse 8. I want you to go back there in verse 8. And look at what the Bible says. And we'll take our title from there. It says, And the Lord said unto Satan, and here's our title for this morning, Hast thou considered my servant? Hast thou considered my servant? What a title that was given to Job on this day. Job was uh, a person who had everything. He had livestock. He had riches. Uh, he had family. He had everything he needed. But yet, I, I want to say that you can have all those things and not have God and be poor. But you cannot have 
anything in this world and have God and be rich. I'd rather have Jesus more than anything this world can offer, as the songwriter has said. Let's go, Lord, in prayer, then we'll preach on the subject. Hast thou considered my servant? Father, we love you and we thank you again for the day. Thank you for your blessings, dear God. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, take control of this service. And Lord, help me today to, Lord, just to, to see the, the, the purpose of this message. Lord, is not to just fill a service. Lord, not to uh, cause anyone to say that I'm a great preacher. But Lord, is to lift you up above all other. And Lord, to say what a great God we serve. And Lord, today I pray that you would anoint me. I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would use my lips for the next hour. Lord, and that you would help me. And God, I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to preach an hour. I just like to give myself a little space. So, so some people, when he's going to preach an hour, uh, no, I'm not going to preach an hour. And, uh, but uh, I, I want us to look again. And, and, and I want you to think about the, the, the first day of Job's life. In, in this in this instance. Now think about this. Verse 4 and 5, he, they were feasting. It was a time of celebration, of, of celebrating God. The feast that they would have had. And what's amazing is that Job lived, uh, we think, most uh, scholars think that Job was probably after the first 11 chapters of Genesis. So Job being one of the oldest patriarchs, one of the oldest men to ever have graced the presence of our Bible... We see that he it was probably he was probably around the last uh, after the eleventh chapter in Genesis, and uh, some think that maybe he even lived long enough to know Abraham and things like that. But I want us to think about this: is that uh, that Job was before the law? Job was before uh, uh, really the prophets. Job was before there was any writings. But Job knew that he needed to have feasts and that he needed to sacrifice and that he needed to worship God. Can I just say that it's in everybody to worship something? Even if you don't have the Word of God, it's in you to worship something. They've gone to tribes all over the world, Africa and those places that have never had a Bible, never heard preaching, never seen a missionary, and yet they are still worshiping something in those places. Uh, We were just in uh, Mexico this last week. And uh, we were down there and uh, we went and saw some of the Mayan stuff and, and got a little bit of education on that type of stuff. Saw some of the ruins and things like that. For And we've seen them before, but these were a little better. And we got to see some things uh, on a private property. Uh, uh, and, and they were telling us how the Mayans would worship this and that they would worship this. And that they uh, one of the big things was the sun god. And that they would set their statues up so the sun would come. And when the sun would hit them, when they would know that uh, their god was there and all these things. And then they talked about this God. And I was thinking, wow, uh, all these gods, these people that lived, it didn't have a Bible. And, and it was time before really Mexico was, uh, uh, you know, and dwelt with, uh, uh, people that, uh, had information and things like that. And so they were, but they were worshiping something. So Job, the first day on verses four and five, we see it was feasting. We see in verse five, there was a day that Job offered a burnt offering for his family. I love the last part of that verse in verse five. It says, thus did Job what? continually, that this wasn't the first time that Job was going to offer a sacrifice. It wasn't a first time, but he, I love what the Bible says, that he offered it for his family just in case. That during all that feasting, that his children did something that was unpleasing to God. And I love that. But verse 6 also says that in this day, that Satan came before God looking for a challenger. 
he came looking for a challenger. Notice that he said that where Satan, where have you been? He said, Oh, I've been I've been going up and down the earth. I've been looking for somebody, but I hadn't found nobody who really has been a challenge. You ever thought about that statement? Is that here, here Satan comes before God? He says, If you got anybody, he, he's like, This is so easy. And God says, Has thou considered my servant Job? I have a champion. Folks, I don't know about you, but I want to be a champion for God today. I want to be a recommendation to Satan by my God. But also we see in verses 13 through 22, we see that it was a day that Job lost everything he had. Folks, I don't know about you, but it's good to serve God and praise God when it's going good, isn't it? Woo! God just gave me a check for $1,000. Hallelujah. But I promise you, whenever you get that bill for $1,000, we're not going, Woohoo! I just got a bill for $1,000. Listen, it's easy to praise God when things are going good, when you got toilet paper, and when you don't. You ought to praise God. And I was, I was thinking, you know, here's, here's a time in our world that, uh, that maybe things aren't going the way we think they ought to go. But I'm going to tell you is that it's going exactly the way God is, it wants it to go and that we should worship Him and that we should be a servant unto Him. I'll give you a few things this morning about how God offered up His champion, Job. And I want to I show you some three things about Job that we see in this chapter and in chapter 2. That I, I want to be in my life. I, I want you to notice, number one, Job's title. Job's title. Job was given a title, and it's the title of our message. In verse 8, it says, Hast thou considered my servant? You ever thought about that? Here God was, was giving a compliment to Job. He was giving one of the greatest compliments. Folks, I don't know about you, but if I die today, and if you put on my tombstone is that he was a servant of God, that would be a badge of honor. Is that if God was to come this morning and, 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 and visibly be with us this morning and He looked at me and He said, Michael Wiggins, my servant, or, or, or Chad Biddle, my servant, or, or Matthew uh, Moore, our servant, my servant. I'd be like, wow. Just like whenever you are introduced by your parents and they say, this is my son. Boy, doesn't that feel good to know that you're somebody's important Somebody. In Genesis 26, 24, we see that the Lord said this, And the Lord appeared unto him, talking about Abraham, that same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham. Thy father fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he said in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, he said, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house, my servant Moses in Numbers 14, 24, it says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, and I will bring him into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. And then in Second Samuel 7, 5, it says, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Here he, he names just a few people that Abraham and Moses, Caleb and, and David were called the servant of God. My servant. And, and so today, let me ask you, could God say that you're his servant? You say, what is a servant? Well, it's one who is willing to do whatever God says to do. Right? We all have kids here today. Some of you in there are watching. <laughs> we all have kids, right? And have we ever told our kids, go do this? And they go, okay. And then guess what? It never gets done. 
right? Look over at the youth section. Uh, not pointing anybody out. <laughs> but, you, you know, we, we say, hey, go do this. Or, you know, tell Shelby or one of our kids say, go do this. And, okay, I'll get it in a minute. And then they never do it, right? Could, could they come back and say, well, this is my, my servant, right? That didn't, do, well, I can't call her a servant because, or he a servant because why? They didn't do what they were supposed to do. You, you're not just a servant just because you show up at church or because you read your Bible or because, it's because of what we do for the Lord when he says to do it. Consider my servant Job. Job was one who had the title that he was a servant of God, that he was one who served God. But I want you to notice the second thing this morning, not only Job's title, but Job's trial. Job's trial. I don't think there's anybody here this morning or watching that would say, you know what, sign me up for this trial. Listen, we, we think sometimes that, we're, we're, we, man, I'm just going through a rough trial right now. When, you're, when you feel that way and you may be going through a trial, just be reminded that you, you're not going through anything like Job did. Job lost everything he had except for the one thing that nagged him. And that was his wife. You ever thought about that? Satan, Satan took everything away from him but his wife because he was going to use his wife. How? See, he, see when, you, when you think about this, this aspect of it, that Satan wanted Job to curse God. And, and he took away things out of his life. And then in chapter 2, we see that he took and put the bulls from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And when that didn't work, Satan, I believe, used Job's wife. And Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He was even using his wife. I mean, you talk about a trial. He lost his family, lost all of his livestock and all of his wealth. And now he's with bulls on his head. And now his wife's looking at him and says, do you give up? How tough that would be not to have your, your partner, not to have uh, your, 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 your other half or, or whatever you want to call her, you know, your, the love of your life or, uh, or prearranged marriage, whatever it may be. Uh, that you, She's there with you and she's saying, hey, why don't you just quit? Could you just imagine that you're having the worst day of your life and she's having the worst day of her life and you're like, we just, honey, I just need you right now. You just need to curse God and die. Well, thanks, honey. You know what most of us would do? Okay, I give up. But Job was persistent in this trial because he knew that God was going to see him through. And kind of remind us, What's going on in our world today? God's going to see us through. We're going to, we're going to look back at this at two months and go, God had it all the time. We always do. We always look at things sometimes with fleshly eyes and we go, oh, we're all going to die. Right? But you see, I love the song, God sees the storm from the other side. Doesn't he though? He's looking down and he doesn't see the things. We were flying uh, this past year uh, to... Uh, Honduras, and I took a picture when we were coming uh, over Mexico. I took a picture of the top of a rainbow. First time I ever been on top of a rainbow. I took a picture of it. It was beautiful. How, how, and then I thought, what? This is how God sees things. Is that God doesn't see all the, the thundering and the lightning underneath there. He sees the rainbow. He sees His grace. And He sees uh, the end he, from the beginning. Job's trial. Job's trial. What a trial he went through. Job's wife was used to, uh, to, to discourage him. Uh, the, the trials, the, the illnesses. And uh, here that God said it in chapter 2, he says, Now Satan, uh, you're coming back for round 2. You've taken everything away from him. Now you can touch his body, but save his life. 
One of the worst things that you could have in the Bible times was these boils upon your, your whole body. They, they um, say that they would cover every inch of your, your, your skin. These boils and that they would just ooze. And that only thing, and you see it there, that Job uh, laid in the ashes, the place of sacrifice. Took a potsherd, which was a, just a broken piece of pot, and he would scrape his arms. That was the only relief that they could have from that. That and between that and dogs licking their sores. It would just ooze and, and, and pus and everything that you could think of, just nastiness, that, uh, that Job no longer looked like Job. Could you imagine when his wife saw him after these boils were all over him? She's like, who are you? I mean, just the, the, the filth and the nastiness that would come from uh, these boils on, her, on him. He would not even look like Job. And this trial has now not just taken everything away from Job, but giving Job a, a disease or giving Job uh, these boils on him that he, they say the extreme pain that it would have been on his body. Can I say you're going to go through a trial if you've not already been? We all have. But we all going to go through trials. And it may be trials that are surrounding us. Or it may be a trial that's on us or in us. Can I say that God's still the same? Whether it's a trial that maybe deals with our family... Maybe deals with our job that, that is outwardly. Or whether it is a sickness and God forbid that one of us gets cancer and cancer is so horrible today. And, and you think of even the virus that's going on now. All these things that happens. Can I say that God's still in control? Somebody said this one time and I, I, I wrote this down many years ago. God is, just con- God is concerned about a cold just as much as he is about cancer. Because he's concerned about his children. You ever thought about that? You know, sometimes we, we think, well, I don't need to pray for them. They're just coughing. Well, somebody comes in with cancer, we're like, well, we need to pray for them. You know what? We need to pray for everybody. And I'm not downing. Cancer's horrible. I understand that. I'm not putting that on a lower level. I'm just saying is that God sees it all the same. Because when his children hurt, he's concerned also. Whether, whether you're, you're hurting because of a loss of a job, whether you're hurting because of disease or whatever it may be, God is concerned about you. But let me give you the last thing this morning. Is that I want to talk about Job's testimony. So I was, we were listening to uh, Pandora coming. Is it, yeah, Pandora. And I was listening to a song called, uh, it's, um, called talking about your testimony. Uh, that there's no testimony without a test. Right? That you, you cannot have a testimony without a test. That, that is the first part of our life. And Job had a testimony, not only because of his test, but because of his past. Let me show you some things in the Word of God. Go back, if you will, and look at verse 1 of chapter 1. 1, 1. So there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man, here's the testimony of Job. This is what God's saying, because God says it over in verse 8 and in chapter 2, verse 3. He says that perfect, upright... And one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Here's what God is saying about his servant Job this morning. He says that Job had a testimony. And listen, if you want to be a champion for God, you have to have this testimony. You have to have the testimony that, uh, that you're perfect. You say, what does that mean that you're saved? The only way, the only way that we could ever be complete, and that word perfect just meaning complete, is, is with Jesus Christ. We want to know why the world's going, oh, we don't know what to do, because they're incomplete. 
they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ in their life and they're going, we don't know what to do. That's the same people when they stand at a funeral and they don't know that the person's lost or saved and they don't know about Jesus Christ. That's why they're panicking. That's why that they don't know how to handle all the, the pressure that comes from death. Why? Because they don't have Jesus Christ. Because they're not complete in Him. We're complete in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ completes us just like a woman completes a man at the time of marriage. That they become one and we are one with Jesus Christ. Perfect. But also the next word is called upright. That word upright, if you look it up, it simply means to be righteous. See, Job had this testimony that long before this trial ever came, long before this test ever came, that he was upright. What comes to your mind when you think of people that you know? You know, when you talk about their testimony. You know, I would hope somebody would say, he's an upright guy. Or he's a whatever it may be. But Job was considered an upright guy. It means that he kept his life right toward God and toward man. I would hate to know sometimes that my life was put on the screen up here, wouldn't you? Because you'd probably think different about me. But I want to tell you that God knows us. And God knows our true testimony. And God knew Job's true testimony. See, if Job wasn't an upright man, God wouldn't have said he's an upright man. But he said that he was perfect and that he was upright. But notice the next thing. It says, and one that feareth God. That word fear just simply means that he had reverence toward God. But also that word means this. It means afraid. Listen, I, I think... Not, not scared, but we ought to be afraid of what God can do. Listen, we ought to fear God. We ought to, we ought to stand at all in His presence. But Job knew that God was truly God. Matter of fact, I believe Job was a man of wisdom. You know why? Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 19, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen, you want to be a wise person? You, you want to be, have wisdom? You've got to fear God. You can't just say, well, I'm not going to do this, but what's God going to do to me? Hmm. I remember growing up, I wasn't, well, I was scared of my mom. She's, she's short, little lady, but I was scared of her. You know why? Because my mom says she's going to wear me out. That didn't mean that she was going to run me around the yard 20 times. That meant she's going to tear my backside up. Guess what mom was going to do? That's exactly what she was going to do. And you know what? I didn't go to my mom and say, I'm not doing that. You know why? Because I feared her. Right? And you know what? I loved her. And I knew that she loved me. See, God loves us this morning and God has our best interests in His mind. This morning, I, I want to just say that we ought to fear God and not what's going on in the world. You say, what's the difference in fearing what's going on in the world and fearing God? It's called peace. It's called the peace of God. When you fear God and you trust in Him, you have a peace that passes all understanding. When you fear the things of the world, guess what happens? You chew your nails. You have an ulcer. Right? And by the way, we're all guilty of that, aren't we? You know, we're, we're all guilty. When we were, we were on, the, on our cruise last week, we didn't know all this stuff was happening until uh, a little bit later on. And uh, we, we kind of had a thought in our head, you know what? I don't think we have no toilet paper in our house. 
We don't have no groceries at our house. We're like, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to do? But you know what? Thank God for good church people and people love us and uh, went out and found stuff for us and cooked stuff for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, but in my mind, I was going, what are we going to do? We're going to stay at the church a lot, right? Uh, We're going to... We're going to kill wild animals now, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> all these things. And, uh, but we didn't have to do that. Because, why? Wow, God had it all under control, and God always does. Let me give you the, look at this last, last phrase that said about Job. It says that, uh, he, that he feareth God and ensueth evil. What does that mean? Well, here's what this word means. And I, I took this phrase from somebody. It means that Job stayed clear of the things that were evil. You ever see that word in there? It, it says, in chew of evil. I like that word, chew. Actually, the word chewed is in there, right? You, you, ever, you ever just thought about that word that, that when evil came Job's way, is that, you know? I just think Job just spit it out. He didn't want nothing to do with it. I know it's retarded, but anyway, it works. You'll remember this word for the rest of your life, I promise you. But, but, but Job, Job just said no to evil. And listen, if we want to be considered the servant of God, if we want to be uh, uh, one who God can say, here's my champion, we're going to have to ensue evil. In other words, we're going to have to say no to it. We're going to have to stay clear of it. The world consistently offers us evil. The world consistently offers us things that we're not supposed to have. And as Christians, we are to stay away from those things and stay close to God. If you want to lose your fellowship with the Lord, then you run toward evil. And you embrace evil. You embrace the things of this world. But if you want to have fellowship with God that is true fellowship, and if you want to be a servant of God, then you say no to sin. You say no to the things of this evil world. And I think it's coming to a point that we're going to have to start saying no to more and more things. One thing, you know, we see around the world, and uh, I would not, not ever suggest anybody to go on a cruise during spring break. And, uh, but I will suggest this, is that sometimes I work here at the church every day of my life. I'm around staff and our pastor, and I'm around our people. I forget sometimes how wicked the world truly is. Because, as pastor always tells us, our circle of influence gets smaller as we get closer to our, you know, to believers in, in church. And I was, I was so heartbroken this week to see that at the age of 18, because on a ship they can drink at 18 and all this stuff, and to see the people stumbling around on that boat, they're my kids' age, that don't even know what they're doing. I was going down the hallway by myself one day. Some kids came out of a room and I heard their conversation. And I was appalled by what I heard from their lips. People don't care no more if they curse in front of you. Nudity. All things that's going on in our world today. That people are so proud of being what they are. But here's what ought to break our hearts. Is they don't have Jesus. They don't have the one who can complete them. This morning, I, I just want to encourage all of our, our people that are watching and those that are here, is that we're living in a, in a, in a world of yeah, uncertainty For if you look at it from the world's perspective. We, we live in a world of certainty because God's God. 
But they're living in a world of uncertainty. They don't understand what's going on right now. You know what's sad to hear, though, is that people that don't believe in God are saying this statement right now. Why is God allowing this to go on? Well, if you don't believe in Him, then how is He causing this, right? Could you imagine in Job's life? There was a time when Job said, I wish I'd die, just die. This is too much for me to handle. But here's what Job knew, that if he could endure to the end, that he make it through all this and don't give up on God, that in the last chapter, here's what, here's what Job said, Lord, I've heard of you, but now I see thee with mine eyes. And then God blessed him with ten more children, and twice as he had when Job got to heaven, he had twice as much that he had here on earth because God gave him all the animals back, gave him all the servants back, gave him all the children back. And when, when Job got to heaven, guess what? He had 20 kids. God blessed him. We need to see that we need to serve him because, number one, because it's the right thing to do. We ought to serve him because we love him, but also we ought to serve him because I'm looking forward to a better day, that one day he will reward us with heaven. I'm looking forward to that day. Let me ask you this this morning, and you that are watching via whatever. Uh, could God consider you his servant? Could God recommend you to Satan this morning? You say, I don't want him to recommend me to Satan. I do. I want God to say, this is my champion. This is one, this is one that, that has rose above the dross and has, has, has risen above all the strife of this world. Here, here's one. Try him. Because God knew that through all that, Job was just going to be stronger. And listen, the reason trials come in our life is not to, to make us weaker, it's to make us stronger and to show us that God's grace is sufficient for us. So this morning, could God consider you his servant? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, thank you for the day that you've given us together around your word. And Lord, I know that this, in my mind, is a different style service, but Lord, your word is still the same, no matter how it's preached, where it's preached. So, Lord, I ask that it would not come back void. Lord, I pray that it's touched in the homes today, that, Lord, we want to be considered your servant. Lord, and this morning, if there's one watching that does not know Jesus Christ, their Savior, Lord, they need to trust Him this morning. So, God, I pray that you would just help those that are watching, those that are here, Lord, help us all to realize You've got it under control. Lord, let us just rest in you. Lord, let us just have faith in you. Lord, we ask that you bless our time together today. We are thankful. And Lord, we're grateful. Lord, that you have given us the internet. Lord, that we can do what we're doing this morning. Lord, bless your people now. Put a hedge about them. Bless our pastor and Lord Brother Leper and Miss Leper and Lord, those seniors that are on the trip, I pray you put a hedge about them. Keep them safe as they travel and, Lord, as they go about. Lord, and I pray that you continue to give our pastor the wisdom, Lord, to deal with uh, what is going on. Lord, making decisions that is best for the whole body. And, Lord, I just ask you to help us today. And, God, again, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day and good night. Sorry. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.